Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, great to be here with you. I want to welcome all of you here, those of you joining us from Crossroads and from Highland Park and from the 01, 01 forever. Uh, we're glad you're here on Fundraiser uh, Sunday. We'll be talking more about that in a bit. I want to start with a story that I read this week about a guy who was uh, recently come to faith and he had a job at a Marriott hotel driving people back and forth from the airport. And uh, he knew that he wanted to be a pastor. This is what he was doing to make ends meet for the time. And he's walking to, to his job and he looks over into the restaurant at the hotel and sees a guy and he goes, man, that guy sure looks like Billy Graham. And he's, I got to take a closer look. And looks over, he's wearing, the guy's wearing a Minnesota Twins baseball cap. And he thinks, well, there's a man of faith you know, to, to follow a team like, I wish it was a Cubs hat. I really was hoping in the story it was going to be a Cubs hat. It wasn't anyway. Uh, but he says, I, I think that's, so he walks a little closer and he's like, this is, this is him. So he says, he just, he can't, he's, this is, this may be his only chance to meet Billy Graham. So he says, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, uh, but are, are you Billy Graham? And he says, yes, I am. And, and so the guy it says, oh, I'm just, it's just an honor to meet you, and I, I, I want to be a pastor someday. And, and Billy just, just takes his time and says, have a seat. I want to hear, tell me about your life, and what can I be praying for you? And he just leaves that conversation on cloud nine. And he begins to, you know, talk to some of the other staff that are there. And now what happened after that is that there apparently were some other people that had noticed Billy, but were, didn't, didn't want to disturb him. But because the ice had been broken, now it's like a free-for-all for Billy Graham. And there's kids coming over, climbing in his lap. He's like Santa Claus at the mall all of a sudden. There's just, there's, you know, people are just climbing on Billy Graham. Said they, people went up to their rooms and stole the Gideon Bibles out of their rooms. And it, you've got Billy Graham signing stolen Bibles. It's just this incredible scene happening. Um, but he, he, he just couldn't believe at how, how comfortable Billy was. And the children were just, you know, were just climbing all over him. And he's talking to them. And he's, he's praying for people, blessing the children. And uh, the staff there couldn't believe it. They were just like, what a guy. What, a, what, a, what an amazing person to take this time with all these people. And he said, you know, he, he showed us a little bit about what perhaps it would have been like for Jesus to have the children come to him, which is our passage for this week. I'm going to read it for you once again. It's a short passage from Luke 18. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Well, this morning, uh, there are two pretty simple things that our passage teaches us, which is that Jesus wants us to like children and he wants us to be like children. Doesn't get much easier than that, does it? So this is a familiar passage to many of you. If you've spent any time in our Lighthouse ministry, this is a very important passage, obviously, to them. Um, we need to understand this passage in context, first and foremost. So if you missed last week's uh, message, that passage, Jesus is um, contrasting these two different people. He tells a story about someone on one hand who is proud of his accomplishments and, and sort of who he is before God. 
And he looks down on, on the other hand, this, this uh, sinner who knows that he's a sinner, knows that he's lowly. And Jesus ends up praising the humble and rebuking the proud. Um, and the next thing that, that happens in the passage is this one here. And we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Now, the custom that's, that's probably being referred to here would have been that on the evening of the Day of Atonement, families would bring their children to the elders or the scribes to have, the, uh, have them be blessed by them. And um, the passage here uses the word specifically for infants or babies. So it's probably better translated to say that they were bringing even their infants and babies. So it's, it's identifying that that's the kind of people, there's, there's babies and little children all coming around for Jesus to bless them. Now, I think we're so used to this concept of, of, of parents uh, looking on their children as a, a blessing that we, we miss how revolutionary it is that Jesus would have this response. Um, today and in our culture, children are generally seen as a gift and as a blessing. They're, they're celebrated. They're a welcome part of the family. That wouldn't necessarily have been so in first century Palestine where uh, children, people are seen by the usefulness that they can bring. So a baby can't plow a field. They can't build a barn. The only thing that they are able to produce is something that is not useful for anything. except to be thrown away. Um, thankfully, today, I, you know, we, don't, we don't have that view. Um, it, it, not in every culture. There are still children that are exploited in cultures. There are children in in, in slavery and indentured servitude, working in, in sweatshops or as sex slaves. Um, but certainly, by and large, in our country, children are generally seen as a blessing. In fact, in some instances, that, that pendulum has swung the other way, where, where children sometimes can be seen as the center of the household and whatever baby wants is what baby gets, and we kind of have, have, have drifted a little, a little too far in the other direction, which isn't helpful either. But understand that uh, in spite of all this, in spite of the fact that you know, Jesus welcomes the children, what you need to understand is that Jesus isn't endorsing children wholesale. It's not that Jesus is saying children are always wonderful and perfect and, and, and that they're always the best because Jesus doesn't feel that way. He's not being sentimental about children. We know this actually because earlier in the book of Luke, um, in, in Luke 7, I preached this passage a couple of years ago. It's a, it's a passage that, that doesn't get a lot of attention. It's informally known as the parable of the brats because Jesus talks about how these children uh, sing a song to each other and compares them to the children, to the people of the generation. In Luke 7, he says, what, what can I compare the people of this generation to? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. So what does he mean? It me- he means that children can be fickle and they can be demanding. They can be brats. So the point isn't as much that, that children are perfect. Uh, he, he, Jesus is saying that what others may see as worthless or useless, Jesus says they have value. They're worth something. So he does this all the time, in fact. He says to the religious people, hey, uh, you know those, those sinners that you don't want to have anything to do with? Yeah, those people are getting into the kingdom ahead of you. He says, you know, you know that leper over there that, that none of you wants to touch or have anything to do with? 
I'm going to touch him. I'm going to heal him. He says to his disciples, see that woman at the well? It's recorded in John 4. That woman, that Samaritan woman, you you don't even want to talk to her or have anything to do with her. She's actually become my disciple. He's doing this all the time. And so, like I said, the the passage before, uh, he's just told this story about the contrast between, you know, praising the humble and, and rebuking the proud. Not 10 minutes later, the disciples are there shooing the children away. Jesus has to be thinking, do you guys listen to anything that I tell you? You got to be kidding me. So um, you hope perhaps to give the disciples the benefit of the doubt. You hope that perhaps they were just at best trying to keep the children away because Jesus is a, a busy man. And, you know, they're, they're sort of saying, please leave Mr. Jesus alone, kids. He's very, very busy. But at worst... They were displaying this common understanding of children, that they were not important or valuable. So Jesus says, hang on, what are my disciples doing now? Okay, would you bring the baby? Yes, the smelly little babies. Yes, bring them here. Bring them to me. Don't stop the children from coming to me because I love what you think is useless. I don't love people because of what they can do. I love them because of who they are. And a little side note, uh, I've worked with teenagers for a long time, and I wonder if perhaps the teenagers have maybe become like the babies of, of that culture, because a lot of times people don't know what to do with teenagers. Um, when something breaks in the church, guess who gets blamed? It's the teenagers, right? Well, f- for the first few years that I worked here, it was me that got blamed. But after that, it was just like, okay, well, okay, were the high schoolers anywhere near there? Okay, that's probably, you know, those, those are your culprits. So, um, People just sort of go, we don't know what to do with them. Make, go to college, get a job, figure it out. Then, then we know what to do with you. I can imagine, that, you know, if, if we were to, Jesus were to show up today and, and you can imagine parents going, okay, come here. We're going, to, we're going to see Jesus. Come here, teenager. I don't know what to do with you. And they're like, Jesus, please. They used to be adorable children and now they're little monsters and we don't know. Please, just do something. Bless them. I don't know. And the disciples are going, teenagers? What? No, no, no. <laughs> he doesn't have time for that. Um, it's not in the text, of course. But I, I just wonder if, if you know, Jesus would be saying, you know, whatever it is that society doesn't know what to do with, bring them to me. I, I love them. So the first thing that Jesus wants us to see here is that he, he loves children and, and he wants us to love them too. And there are a lot of ways that we could apply this point. The easiest is that if you are a parent, uh, bring your children to the church. Get them involved in Lighthouse and Cove and Shig. Help them to make connections here, friendships at the church. There's so many things that, that we do to work hard to, to make that happen. There's, there's weekly events. There's, there's you know, events that are happening on an ongoing basis tonight. There's a dinner theater event happening at Crossroads. Lots of things that we do because we believe this as a church so dearly. We want your children to be involved. Uh, beyond that, perhaps you're, you're not a parent or you're an empty nester and... Um, you can perhaps be involved in helping to, to shape the life of a young person and point them to Jesus. Um, perhaps you, people who aren't parents have more time. Um, you could be the one that could be making an impact, making a difference in a child's life, in a young person's life. 
People have said that it takes a village to raise a child. I believe that it takes a whole church to disciple a child and help them come to know God. So, all of that is point number one. Jesus wants us to, to, to like children, to, to love them, to care for them. Not necessarily because they're children, but because they are his. But all of this is really just a setup for point number two, which is that Jesus also wants us to be like children. So you can imagine this scene. Jesus has just stopped his disciples from uh, stopping the children. And he's got this baby in his arms. And he looks down at this baby. And he just sort of goes, yeah, you know, the thought occurs to him. You, guys, you know that, that kingdom of God thing that I've, I've been talking to you about? This, this is what you can learn from. You can learn from this child about how to enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, there's only one way to receive it. You need to imitate this baby. They must be so confused. What, what are you talking about? Imitate the baby. So what does he mean? Well, the language that, that it, Jesus uses here is very interesting because it's not a suggestion. It's not like he says, here's one way for you to think about entering into the kingdom of God. No, he actually denies entry to anyone who is not prepared to enter it like a little child. There's only one way into the kingdom. It's through Jesus, but it is to someone who has humbled themselves to become like a little child. Every person that enters the kingdom does so because they have become like a little child. I mentioned Billy Graham earlier. He's 97 years old, and he will likely go to glory soon. Now, people were saying that 20 years ago, but so who knows? He may, got, he may have you know, 10 or 20 more years left in him. You never know. But he's one of the most famous Christians who's ever lived. He's been a Christ follower for over 80 years. And when he enters into glory, it will not be because he led millions to Christ. It will not be because he was a, a faithful person who read his Bible and prayed a lot or who was faithful to his wife or, or kept his finances above reproach. It will be because he became like a little child and received the kingdom. So what might Jesus mean? Uh, what, what specifically might he mean? How, how can we apply this to our own lives? Uh, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different things about children that we can learn from about what Jesus might be talking about here. But there's, there's three simple things that I think children are like that we can learn from. The first is that children are trusting. Children are trusting. This is where the phrase stranger danger comes into play because children are just, especially little kids, they, they just, they don't know what that means. They just want to go up and they, they're so trusting and open to anyone. The older we get, the less we trust. We grow hardened. We grow skeptical. Walls go up. But that's not what life and the kingdom of God is like. Jesus says, for instance, he says, the meek will inherit the earth. Who, who, who are meek? Children are meek. Kids trust. They believe stuff. They believe their parents, which is why I believe it's so, it's so easy for parents to lie to children. It just makes it 
So easy, right? We can say whatever we want and they believe us. Uh, I uh, remember being like a teenager and thinking, wait a minute. My face isn't actually going to freeze that way, is it? But I heard that from when I was a little kid and uh, I was like, she was lying to me. Dang, my mom lied to me about that, you know, but... She certainly got me to stop doing whatever I was doing with my face, right? Um, I remember this uh, clip I saw. I don't remember when I saw it. And I looked for it on YouTube, but I couldn't find it. Uh, it, was a, it was like a candid camera type deal where they put a child in a room with a dog and there's a person watching on a camera and they, they, they put a speaker on the dog so that the dog could, could talk to the kid. And what's remarkable about this video is not when, when the dog starts talking, um, the, the kid doesn't go, what's going on? There's a talking dog. The, the kid just responds like it's a normal person. The kid's just like, you know, and it's, it's going, oh, good. I'm glad you started talking. I, I've been have, I had some questions for you that I've been wanting to ask you. Just totally normal thing for, for them to happen because they just trust. Sure, sure. Dogs can talk. Okay. If dog talks, dog talks, whatever. Um, you see a kid at the park, and I love it when they, you know, kids walk up to someone, will, will, you, will you play with me? Or the better one is, you know, will you be my friend? We can't do that as adults anymore. We can't go up to somebody at the gym, you know, hey, will you be my friend? No, slowly walk away, right? <laughs> or I remember when my kids were younger, they'd stand at the, at the top of the stairs and, you know, wait for me. And, and if I went over to grab them, they wouldn't wait. They just, they just, you know, just take a dive. They didn't care if, you know, if I dropped them. They got a face full of stairs coming. They just, just trust. Just simple trust. So similar to trusting is the lack of worrying that children do. They, they, they worry when they get older. But when they're little, they, they, don't, they don't worry. They don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or who, if they're going to have stuff to, you know, to eat the next time. They... They just, they just trust. It's a simple thing. So where are you? Where are you in your ability to simply trust in God? The second thing that children are is they are dependent. Children are dependent. When you, when you think about especially this little baby uh, that Jesus is holding, babies are completely dependent. Their very existence is dependent upon the care that their parents bring them. I just imagine Jesus holding this completely helpless baby and just being like, yeah, yeah, it's like that. That's what I'm looking for from my people. Dependence upon me. And this is not what we get praised for in our world today. Uh, No one says that they got ahead in life by depending on other people for everything, right? No one uh, ever says to their spouse, Hey, would you be as needy as you possibly could be, please? That would be awesome today. I'd really appreciate that. No. In fact, we, we want, in situations, we want to be in control. We want to be independent. We don't want to be dependent on other people. We want to be the one who's giving, not the one who's receiving. Frederick Buechner says, It's not only more blessed to give than to receive. It's also a whole lot easier. Well, why is that? Because giver has the power. Receiver, the receiver has no power. So, you know, and beyond just receiving from God, we're, 
we're often bad at receiving gifts in general. When someone gives us a gift, we say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. When someone praises us, we say, well, come on, it wasn't anything, or oh, I messed that part up, or whatever it is. We, we deflect praise. We don't know how to receive, because receiving a gift in many ways requires us to become humble. If you've ever lost a job or had to turn to people for help, that is very hard to do. Dependence is weakness. Self-sufficiency is to be desired. Think about our country. It was founded with the Declaration of Independence. We don't need you, England. We got this. Independence is not always a bad thing, right? Don't, don't, hear, hear me on that. We want our children to become independent from us. We want them to be financially and otherwise independent. Um, we don't want, no one wants a, an unhealthy kind of dependence in their relationships. But I'm talking about a dependence on God. And it's hard because our pride steps in and says, look, I don't want to depend on you, God. I, I, I'll, I'll do this. I've got this. And Jesus says, not if you want to enter my kingdom. You need to depend on me. That's why he says for us to pray, give us our daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust me for today. Depend on me today. It's hard for adults. We like to be in control. So how, how are you? How are you doing? How are you at trusting, depending on God? Being okay with depending on him? Well, the last thing that we find in children is that they are full of wonder. I think the, the lack of wonder thing um, in our culture is one of the, it's just, it's, it's sort of annoying. And it's, it's, it's cool to, to be too cool for anything. There's this phrase that you sometimes see really on, online and, and uh, you know, on, on comments and things. It's this three, uh, three-letter word, meh, meh. Eh, you know, it's kind of like whatever. Shrug of the shoulders, roll of the eyes. Eh, whatever. It's just, it's just so cool to kind of have that, just to, just to kind of be too good for everything. And children are not that way. Little children, they learn that when they get older. But when they're young, they don't, they don't say whatever. They don't say meh. They think things are amazing. Um, when you look back at old home movies, either of yourself or of, of your children, uh, you'll see this. And I don't know about you, but uh, when we remember to get out the video camera, it's usually like at Christmas a lot. So we've got a lot of footage of opening presents, right? And so all of you young parents or to-be parents out there, don't just video at Christmas time because, you know, oh, here we go, another Christmas, another opening presents. Find other times to video. Anyway, um, but... There's this one video uh, that, that's a popular one amongst our house, and um, it's become sort of a catchphrase for us. And it's our, our oldest is probably five years old, and every gift that she got, she has the same thing to say. And she says, it's what I always wanted. I promise you, it wasn't what she always wanted. Like, the stuff we were giving her was, I, I asked her recently, what, do you remember what you opened? And she's like, no, probably just some doll or some backpack or I don't know. It didn't matter. But it was just so precious because 
despite the fact that it wasn't what she had always wanted, that was what she said. It's what I always wanted. She's running around the house singing. It's what I always wanted. It's this wonder. She's so amazed, so thrilled with what she's given. She's ready to embrace the wonder of that. One side note that I will add that I think makes wonder more difficult is the ubiquity of cell phones. Uh, And I am as as bad as anyone at this. But it's such an easy distraction. You know, part of being uh, ready to embrace the wonder of life is being present in life. And we can't be present if, if everything that we do is sort of about our screens in front of us, whether it's a computer or cell phone. We just, we just got to be aware. We miss stuff. We miss a lot of what God is doing when we are distracted by the little screens in front of us. Margaret Feinberg wrote a book about this idea of, of missing the wonder of God in life. It's called Wonderstruck. She says this. Many of us say we want to experience God but we don't look for his majesty. We travel life's paths with our heads down, focused on the next step with our careers or families or retirement plans, but we don't really expect God to show up with divine wonder. God invites us to look up, open our eyes to the wonder all around us and seize every opportunity to encounter him. And to that I would add, that happens when you become like a little child again. This is also tricky because growing up is important. God doesn't want us to be childish, right? Paul says, uh, when I was a child, I, I, I acted like a child, but I put childish ways behind me. There's a difference between being childish and childlike. Embracing wonder, having a simple trust and dependence on God, that is all about being like a child, not childish. I'm going to close with a, a movie clip. And uh, so because I have four children and uh, the, the oldest was born in 1998, we've watched a lot of Pixar movies in our day. Uh, they're great movies and um, there's... there's so much just incredible truth embedded, whether it's unintentionally or intentionally embedded in their movies. There's so much going on there. And uh, I, I told my children that I was going to be showing a clip from this movie, and I asked them to guess which clip I was going to show, and they, they had a lot of fun uh, trying to guess because they, they'd think I'm really cheesy when I try to, like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, this, this guy's Jesus. Is that what it is, Dad? This guy's Jesus? I'm like, no, it's not. No, I'm not doing that. But... They, they, they really enjoy that. Uh, so the clip I'm going to show you today is from Ratatouille. It's, uh, if, if, if you've not seen it, it's, it's, a, it's a great movie. And the, the plot is a little bit complicated, but it's basically about a rat living in Paris who wants to be a chef. Uh, and in the scene that we're going to show you, it's towards the end of the movie, and they've got one chance to make the perfect dish to impress this restaurant critic in order to keep the restaurant open. And they've got one chance, one dish to serve him, to, to, to impress him, or it's sort of all over. 
So the dish they serve is ratatouille, and, and it's not a gourmet dish. Uh, that's why the guy, their guy says, come on, you got to be kidding me. You're going to serve him ratatouille? It, it's a vegetable stew, basically. And so they serve the critic this, and he's got his pen ready. He is ready to start critiquing, to start whatevering this dish. And then he takes a bite, and something amazing happens. He's transported back to when he was a child. And it happens quickly. You can't really tell what's going on in the scene. But uh, he's, he's skinned his knee. The, he's got his bike in the background. He's fallen off his bike and he's skinned his knee. And, and when he blinks, a tear falls from his eye. And he remembers this taste of this food. Reminds him of being a child. And being safe and cared for. And what happens next? He drops the pen. He doesn't need to critique anymore because he wants to participate. He just wants to eat that meal. He wants to eat that dish. He wants to be a full participant. All of a sudden, he is entered into this experience. That's what Jesus says we, we, we need to do, every single one of us. It's not an option. Stop critiquing. Critics aren't able to fully participate. They can only sit back and watch. Jesus invites us to participate fully, be in his kingdom. And that only happens when we trust him, when we depend on him, and when we are ready to see the wonder all around us. Amazing things will happen when we're willing to do that. Children don't, they don't evaluate, they don't critique, they just live in the moment. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to become like a little child, to know his love, to experience it, and to experience the journey that he has for us in his kingdom. Life hardens us, it dulls us. Just the natural experience of growing up, and it's totally normal for us to We've been hurt to just reject others, to reject God. He says, will you trust me? Will you let those walls down and become like a little child again? Let's pray. Lord, for many of us, there may be very good reasons why our hearts have grown hard towards you or towards others. We might have been hurt, and so in order to prevent ourselves from more harm, we put up walls. So, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, would you tear those walls down? Would you give us back that simple trust in you that we perhaps once had? Would you show us how you want us to become like little children again so that we we may receive your kingdom? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.